Hey everybody, welcome back to The Collective. We have an awesome show for you today. We got uh, my friend Sean, obviously, here, and we got our, our friend Chris. How's it going, man? Do you prefer Chris or Christopher? I'm good, guys. Um, real good. good. I can't is it, complain. Is it? Uh, well, I mean, we all could, but we're not going to. Yeah. Chance, chance usually does. I do. We, I do we all do, and, and there is something that is endorphin releasing a cathartic upon complaining yeah unfortunately it doesn't actually do anything though other than no. like it makes us feel a little bit good yeah but it doesn't solve i, I like hearing the sound of my own voice though when i'm complaining oh Ooh. god i love this i'm looking for the nice. tone is it a little bit mm -hmm. or is it like hard oh I, man i think generally speaking that um complaining like a comedy is an art and when mm, oh, done yeah. well, it's brilliant. Oh, yeah. And when done poorly, it's cringe and obnoxious. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And mm -hmm. and the, the only thing that is better than being an artful complainer is when you're in a group of artful complainers and everyone understands the yes. game and yep. everyone's having fun with the game. 100%. Those are some of the best, especially, uh, you know, being out in the field and you're just standing around waiting for orders or something. And then it just starts going. Yes. And that's one, one thing that anybody who's been in the military, no matter what job you had, unit, like me, a reservist, there's one thing that is just funner and more cathartic than anything. It's sitting around and complaining about shit. Griping. <laughs> it's right the only yeah. right we have in the, uh, in the infantry and in the foreign uh, trade. It's, it's really our Whinging only right. and whining and taking pride in your shitty choices it's that's yeah. right that's yeah. right the uh one of the greatest things i just quick question what did you do in the marines i knew you were in the marines but i didn't know like what in the marines i was um a uh engineer bulk fuel specialist a lame job basically a hand shovel operator and a aircraft gas pump attendant nice that's still so, so, yeah. cool it's yeah, it's cool. And and guess what? We've all handled shovels a fair yeah. bit in, in, in our military career. So oh, a, boy. an example would be um, three of us fill a thousand sandbags, build a protection around a, a, a big fuel bladder, wait till helos come in, refuel them. And then be ordered, oh, you're a thousand feet short, move everything. Oh, I love that story. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta view myself like that. It's so oh, ridiculous man. at times. And yeah. you know what? A perfect opportunity to complain to the guys like an artful complainer. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. It is. Well, and then I, I I um I finally like I, I, I was trying to apply for an Anglico unit, which mm. is air naval gun liaison. And I was on the three-year waiting list, and I wouldn't see airborne school for four years. And at my fifth year in the Marine Reserves, I got with a National Guard recruiter and was recruited to 19th Group SF. And then I got married to a woman who was a pilot in the Navy, ended up following her to Pensacola, went in um, the 20th Group, and never got tabbed, but had an awesome experience. Um, and did some fun stuff. And then when I got back to LA after my marriage collapsed and the final end, the last unit I was in was an LRS, the D unit, which is the scout. Mm. And then I got out and I permanently ETS 
literally, I got my letter two weeks before 9-11. And I did that thing that so many of us do when you're over 30 and you're weighing going back in and you're thinking I should. I kind of didn't agree with the Iraq war, but I did with the Afghan war. You know, I had all my opinions and issues. And one of my, in some ways, one of my biggest regrets is that I did not. Now, when I was the first couple of years with my current wife, what I really wanted to do was go um, become a journalist and in the bed with units. And that would have been cool. Yes. And but that would have killed our relationship and it would have just, yeah, it, it wouldn't have worked. And um, I was briefly a cop at this period of time. And I'll just say that that didn't last because I was hooked on painkillers. Mm. And um, so, yeah, it, I, I have a long and complicated story full of me fucking up. <laughs> Which you just did. Which you did. Yeah. Now. So we're gonna watch the language, but um, oh yeah, that's it's all good. This is actually it. Kind of goes into what I want to talk about too. It's um, one of the the topics that I had here, which I just had it. It's right here. Staying in the game. This is a, this is a, a tricky tricky thing because we all want to. Once you're in a, a game, you kind of yeah. want to stay yep. in it, right? You yep. you like what you do. You're enjoying yourself. This is good times, and then eventually okay, I want to move on or maybe I want to do something else. But there is, you know, there's something special about the 35-year career in the military or the six-degree black belt in jiu-jitsu or the, you know, when you yeah. can really stay for the long haul, you can you can do some pretty incredible things. And th- th- there's one thing that my fellow people who've had substance abuse problems have is we can put up with a lot of punishment mm. and keep going on. That's kind of something like, th- I, I swear to God, the toughest people that I've ever met are people who've spent years as a homeless alcoholic or addict. They are by far the most grit, tough people I've ever met. Mm. And regardless of their... their um, problems that make us think that we where we can go I now I can understand why you're unhirable I can understand why but it it it's still it sleeping on a, a concrete a pillow constantly worried about your safety is is something that if you can get out of that my hat's off to you mm-hmm. that's a <laughs> that that's a game in and of in in and of itself talk about a game with an yeah. entire culture that that exists separate but parallel to the quote-unquote real world you know mm. God. Uh, but there's a interesting little not to tease not to be too pedantic here not to tease out the devil in the details but you know they're staying in the game by choice and they're staying in the game by addiction mm. and it's both of them are, can create adversity and both of Absolutely. them can create amazing outcomes and to some yep. degree, as long as they're shaped properly or understood properly. So addiction can keep you in the game, but can actually turn you into a higher performer if you can figure your way out of it. It can. Um, and it, it's not uncommon that people, especially when they're young and escape 
addiction often get hooked on something healthier and it's often exercise mm -hmm. or in my case with jujitsu and um so, so th that same drive can be rechanneled into other stuff and um yeah yeah absolutely here's a quick question for you yeah what what was it about jujitsu like was it i mean i was listening to Sean earlier saying you went into Shotokan karate initially. Yeah. And then um, what was it about jujitsu where you were like, Oh, this, <laughs> well, you know, um, it's interesting. Hindsight is like just philosophically, a time is a strange thing because the, we are basically our brains think two dimensionally where we exist in the third dimension and can't really grasp a time. So, so for us, the time is this very linear thing. And um, to transcend that the dimension, we would have to be looking at it from the fourth and thinking in the third. And that is something, uh, uh, of course, that our meat computers in our heads are incapable of doing. But what got me hooked very early on, and, and I always felt like a, as a kid, you, you know, I was like a lot of boys. I, I loved wrestling, fighting, playing guns, everything conflict involved. And um, did the karate thing. And then as soon as I did high school wrestling, it confirmed what I already knew in my gut that I'm a natural a grappler. And... Once the clinch starts, I feel comfortable, even if I'm losing. Mm. And it's a comfort zone that grappling gives me. And um, when I found the jujitsu, literally from my first role, it was like I found. I felt like I found what I'd been looking for, but was I couldn't put in words my whole life through wrestling, karate learning a few judo throws, whatever it was, all of a sudden it's like, wow, this is it. And I was instantly hooked. And of course, like most of us who are hooked on it, when I really realized that, that I was hooked was when I had to go through withdrawal of not having jujitsu because I get married. I'm a new purple belt. It's before UFC one. Jiu-jitsu isn't around. It, it's in like three spots in all of the United States. I move. I find myself jonesing going to the, the judo club on the Navy base, um, trying to find something that felt the same and ended up recruiting a group of guys, stole a few out of Naikido club, the guys in the, the Jeet Kune Do club, which I also practice. I quickly turned the Jeet Kune Do club into our jiu-jitsu club, and I started teaching. And it took me about a year to get these guys to blue belt level where we could roll and I could escape in that bliss. Mm. And, yeah. That's a good spot. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, the question that, that kind of comes to the surface on top of my head right now is the fact that especially if there's only like three clubs out there right to take it upon yourself to stay in the game by then 
teaching that game without yes. without like you know the whole backing of schools and pro yeah. processes and all that stuff and just kind of making it up on your own was what was uh what was the what was probably your i'm gonna ask what was your biggest challenge and I'm getting into interview questions now, yeah, but yeah. I'm really interested. Like, what was the the trick to actually staying in the game? What was the hardest part of that? You know, in terms of the Joseph Campbell narrative a story model, um, it's like the hero's journey, if, if we use that as our model. Mm -hmm. It's part of that, that journey is you are abruptly cut off from your mentor before you feel like you are ready. Mm -hmm. And that's obviously a common theme within all kinds of walks of life. It's like, wait, but I'm not ready yet. <laughs> no, no, young Luke, you are ready. Trust the force. You are on your own. Um, and it's kind of like you have to jump in and fake it until you make it, as they say. And um, so one of the most interesting things is in that year and a half, year, it's one solid year where I taught these guys like three times a week and, and we would meet and then we're finally rolling. I had this feeling that when I would return to LA that my fellow peers were going to be light years ahead of me mm -hmm. because they're being instructed by the Gracies, the Machados, they're getting the, the direct knowledge. And oddly enough, I returned and I had improved too. Mm -hmm. And I was I was where I might have been had I stayed. I, I mean, who knows? But yeah, it was one of those the things. And let me just jump in and interrupt me at any time. Um, <laughs> I found as a seminar guy who goes all over the place, all over the country, all over the world. I find the guys that started schools before they were black belts have a different kind of maturity than those who get their black belt, compete a little bit, and then start a school. Hmm. We were actually just talking about that the other day is that um, where I train at the moment, we've been concentrating really heavily on uh, technique yep. we don't get as much rolling time in and sean was like oh you don't want to be one of those purple guys that can become a purple belt and doesn't roll <laughs> it's like you definitely do not do not, want do to not. Become... and I, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna i'm gonna i'm diving back as hard dial as i can into it and i'm dialing up the pace but sean any thoughts on staying in the game on on the mats on the in well the yeah. i've been in a few sean yeah yeah uh so chris yeah. Just a, a touch of background, and, and then I'll make my point. Uh, I've, I've been in martial arts for over 40 years, and I didn't start BJJ until the week that I turned 52. That's the Ooh. first time I turned a white belt onto my uh, game. And, and so I've now been doing BJJ for just over seven years. I love it. And <laughs> I just talked about it in my live IG chat. The first time that I realized how much I loved it, well, the first time I did it, I realized that it was for me. And that's after mm -hmm. many martial arts. Yes. But when I really realized why it was for me, and, and this is not planned. This is not going to be a mic drop moment. This is just reality. The first time my coach showed me combat base, and I got 
I got over top of a guy in combat base. It just made sense to me. But here's why it made sense to my head, not just my body. And it felt right to my body right away is because I started thinking about like as a tier one operator, I was over top of that guy in the overwatch position, controlling yes. the high ground as a sniper. And, and the entire battlefield was in front of me to some degree as a basic white belt. It felt like there's nothing this guy can do. Of course there is, but right. in my early days, it just felt like such a powerful controlling position. So it was actually your combat base that really hooked me into, oh, I'm a lifer in this game. And so to the point here, now that I've made that point, staying in the game, staying in the game is tricky as an older athlete or without the vision to understand that one day you'll be a sixth stripe black belt. There's a time when you couldn't have spelt sixth stripe. And so I'm curious as to, I, I understand the consistency in staying in the game, that, that uh, dialogue, but if, if you were to ask yourself a really penetrating question, was there something in you besides just, I'm just going to be stubborn or I'm just going to show up every day? Was there something else in you that made you stay in the game? God, um, you know, for me um, personally, and I'm 58 now, and when I turned 50, I met and had lunch with Hickson and kind of went over what my new um, direction would be. And I basically, I was coming off of uh, winning the Masters again. And that last match in the Open class, I lost by two points to, um, I, right now I can't think of his name, um, um, the Canadian 10-time judo champion, won Masters Worlds almost more than anyone. He's a heavyweight. Great guy. Um, got me in a, in a perfect Uchimata. And, and I remember realizing because they had to basically carry him away in a, a stretcher he won it was an excellent throw but he blew out his hamstring doing it and something just told me in my uh, gut that us old guys should not be doing five minute matches sprinting at each other that that's not the wisdom of of old older guy but jujitsu and hickson agreed that that the five-minute IBJJF match for black belts is absurd. And that, if anything, we need more time to ease into the game and feel your opponent out. And not this sprint game. That's the young man's game. And so it, it, it kind of put me on a, an entirely new trajectory. I decided because I'm all over IBJ the JF rules that I'm going to practice the art as pure as I can. And when I say the art, I, I mean, how do I control and submit my opponent utilizing the least amount of athletics and attributes and the maximum amount of leverage, knowledge, cunningness, and guile. That's the art. The sport is how do I deploy my art within the man-made rules of the game, the ROI, right? And using the maximum amount of my physicality athletics to win the objective. And the, the art parallels the sport 
but they're really not the same feeling of intent. It's like, remember back before you knew in the kickboxing or boxing how to actually spar? You are annoying to people who know how to spar. Dude, I'm annoying to everyone nearly every day. <laughs> yeah, because sparring is this thing that isn't the same as fighting light. And rolling in, in, in that club roll way isn't the same as rolling when you're trying to win. You're trying to better your art. And if your opponent is equally trying to, you catch that magic. And I, I often say that rolling with athletic, young, white, and the blue belts is like putting a cat in a pillowcase. You'll do it, but it's a pain in the ass. Yeah, you're going to get scratched. You're going to get scratched and pinched and and squeezed in positions that won't make you tap, but they just hurt. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, as I've aged, um, my number one a goal whenever I'm on the mat is don't get hurt. Yeah. That exceeds winning that role. And my new way is, and it, it it's humbling. Like even last night, I'm rolling with a really good, salty, young, lightweight um, brown belt. And it's like rolling with a chimpanzee. You know, they, they get on my back. They're flexible. They're fluid. And my rule is I can't use athletics. I, I have to figure it out in a very jujitsu way. I so like that. Can I can I ask a follow-on question? It is uh, because not for me. I don't know if the answer is going to be. And super I don't know for me. if you guys are if I'm occasionally freezing, but you guys are occasionally freezing. Oh, that might be oh, okay. My... Okay. Go ahead. No, we're, I'm good at this end, so you look great at this end. So a question is. There's, there'll be guys watching this and girls watching this that I get hit up with on the regular uh, with questions. I'm losing you. Oh. Okay. Weird connection. Try that one more time. Question for you. Yes. I get hit with questions from people who are older athletes, like our age or a bit younger, and they're trying to get into BJJ for their very first time. And so your, your understanding of what it, means to stay in the game as an older athlete but an experienced athlete is a different understanding than that person on their first night and they're 100%. walking onto the mat with trepidation with concern mm -hmm. with fears with all of these things and it's mostly around getting injured yes to some degree so for those first timers who've yet to step on the mat who we're trying to encourage to step on the mat what would be your advice for them my general it advice is to absolutely become aware of uh, of the natural instinct that we all have in any combat sport that to to, to 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 feel that and say this is not why i'm here i'm not here to fight i'm here to learn and i can punctuate fights in between lengthy periods of, of learning not the other way around where you fight, 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 and occasionally learn something and fight, 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 and occasionally learn. You got to flip that script. And your goal in every role is, is to not get hurt and learn as, as much as you possibly can mm -hmm. and not try to cram this thing. 
you can't learn it overnight. It takes years. And just accept that it's going to take a while. And if you're 70 years old, in five years, you're going to be 75. If you don't get hurt, you'll still be grappling and be pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I like, I like to say that the, the time's going to pass anyway. Right. And if you go hard right off the bat yep. and you get hurt, that time's still going to pass. Yes. So be relaxed, chill out, <laughs> Yeah. Al- allow the time to pass, but take the time to learn it. And it is a, uh, it's a great, like I fell in love with BJJ cause I got tied in knots by a 16 year old girl. Yeah. <laughs> it was, I was like, if they, if they can do that to me, it works. I'm good. Yes, I'm going to yep. stay in it. Um, but the, the real, the real challenge, at least for me, I had a lot of injuries from the military was tempering myself yes. right? and going, eh, this position isn't very good for me. So I don't want to be in it. And unfortunately now I'm in the position where I have to, uh, I've put myself in those positions <laughs> to train how to get out of them. Um, and it's, it's a challenge. This is one of the things I love about jujitsu and in, in all aspects of life, not just in jujitsu is that you're going to hit those walls where you go. Now I got to deal with things that I didn't want to deal with because of X, Y, yeah. and Z. Yeah. Yeah. You have any, any thoughts on yeah, I think, um, getting through that? It's kind of like, um, one of uh, the guys who used to regularly come to my garage and train, who's now a pro MMA, um, played college football, running back. And I've noticed a specific thing w- with white belt former football players that's really good for MMA, really good for kicking down the door. Hmm. But it's, it's one of those things that isn't good, that you have to unlearn to learn the jiu-jitsu. And I watched him willingly unlearn that Boom, I'm going through attitude, right? But then once he learns, and he's been, I mean, I think he's in his eighth or ninth year of this now, and he's a UFC athlete, Eric Ayers. And um, he incorporates such a good um, balance between how he trains and how he fights. And that's something that some people naturally pick up quicker than others. Like, I remember John Machado, I was a purple belt, and I was starting to get to that advanced amateur phase where I think I'm really good. I'm dunning a Kruger. And um, and I remember he stopped me, and he said, ow, that hurt. And I, it was this weird thing, like, wow, a black belt can get hurt? And... And, and, you know, he's like, look... What, what he really meant was, ow, that hurt, how bad your bjj is (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it it was really one of those things where i was then quickly humbled at if he goes at the same pace and energy i do he's going to destroy me quickly and i realized just then just how much over the years when when he rolled with me he was holding back and it's kind of one of those big eye openers that that you get and uh, for us older guys like i often say you know i i i I think i have one 
19-year-old match left in me. But I'm going to save it. I won't waste that on a blue belt. I'm not wasting that on something. I'm saving that one Mm -hmm. where I know with a little adrenaline spike, I can wrestle like I'm 19 again for just a brief period of time. When you need it. When I need it. Right there. But but I got to really need it. It can't be an ego or honor reason, you know? Mm. Sean, any thoughts on what I just was talking about? Yeah. Uh, As Chris was saying, the trick, I think, for some people, me in particular, is to not go hard. When before my first night, I was used to going hard. I mean, yeah. one taught me to go hard to your point, kicking a door. That's what I like doing. And so I showed up with not, not mega aggression. I just showed up with a drive, a certain drive. It was taught to me and I just feel like it's normal to me. So for the first little while, I was a handful apologies to everyone. So <laughs> You know, I, I was that white belt who was going to go hard because that's all I knew. So if someone was fighting yeah. with me, I didn't know how to manage it other than fight back hard. So again, my apologies. Now I'm much further yeah. into the game and I got lucky that I managed to survive all of my nonsense and yeah. get to a point seven and a half years later where I'm like, now I don't fight. I This is what I have to tell myself nearly every time I step on the mats. Don't fight, Sean don't fight even yes. though i'm flowing and playing mm-hmm. and etc i'm quote unquote fighting i have to really remind myself every day i step on the mats do not fight sean 100 percent. an interesting thing that happened when i was a, a brown belt is i started the first woman's jiu-jitsu class not a woman's self-defense class but a woman's class and I'm not going to say my motives were all pure. Um, but what I realized when I had this handful of women, I, I, their strengths were they, had, they wanted to do things technically. And I almost had to push that. You got to fight energy into them. And then I'd go show up at the men's group and they're all fight, right? And it, it was kind of through that contrast experience I, I saw what, if we call it the yin and yang of this, the, the, the yin aspect of it b- became crystal clear that if you are the, the smaller, weaker, less fit a person, you got to be all jujitsu. Mm-hmm. I like that. All jujitsu, all the time. <laughs> all jujitsu, all the time. I love that. Not, um, not a a athletic grappler applying jujitsu moves in a fight. You know, we've, uh, I've heard this many times online and on the mats as well as like, you know, if you're a bigger, stronger person where they say, yo, don't use your strength, don't use your strength. And I'm a hundred percent down. I, I think it's uh, a great thing to do, but what it eventually does is it starts to temper your game a little bit. Right. It and does. I find, that if uh, it's more of a concept than a hard and fast rule, right? Yes, it, 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 it's definitely not a rule. I tell like, I have a lot of heavyweights. I'm a lightweight, but I've, I've always had a lot of heavyweights. And I've, I've often said 
that I have heavyweight envy. I wish I was a 200 pounder. And I try to grapple with if I was a 200 pounder. I try to apply the maximum amount of, of my weight when I can. Not grapple like that light fly around. No, I don't want to be that guy. I, I want that slow, sticky, weight-oriented role. And the thing is, is it's not that you don't use your strength or weight. Is that you don't apply it in a ballistic sense. It, it, it's an amount of increasing the pressure. You're a heavyweight. I want them to slowly increase all the pressure until that person taps. Not pick up a habit of never using your weight. That's a horrible habit. Just like when I have a guy who's really fast, I want him to slow it down so they must work on their timing. So you can't cheat with speed what you missed in timing. Mm-hmm. So that's like, if we're always looking at the game as how do I grow and improve, not how do I win every fight, then we get to grow and improve and win more fights. That's a great point. This is, uh, it's actually very applicable in life outside of jujitsu. Like jujitsu, it's great. It, uh, it, fit, it fits with the, um, in life as well, is that slow, steady pressure will take you farther than just hammering everything you see. Absolutely. And I think that is a, uh, it kind of goes into the line. Uh, Sean told me about a line that you used, you apparently said, it's not about who's good. It's about who's left. Yes. And I find to the, uh, that whole, that concept of just, you know, if you, uh, I'll go into a little story here. My two boys are in jujitsu and they started at four and five. They're now nine and five. And, um, I wanted them to get started there because they really wanted to do Muay Thai and it's, you know, it's flashy and yeah, yeah I get to yep. punch things and I get a, ah, you get all that energy yeah. out. And I was like, but I want them to have a really solid, calm base because when they do get into fighting, which they will, mm-hmm. um, there's only so many times you get punched in the head. That's right. right. There's, there's only yeah. so many walls that you can just smash head first through before you really learn that concept of slow, steady pressure (laughs) you know it's like if you think about all of the combat sports and i separate the combat sports from the what i call the fantasy or performative martial arts which i also think are cool you know the, Mm -hmm. the, the the chinese animal styles or whatever i like that stuff too but in the combat sports boxing has the shortest shelf life you just can't keep getting hit. Yeah. Then Muay Thai is, is a little longer and depending on how you apply, because there's less blows directly on the head, more of the legs and arms and body, but it's still, it's a short life. Mm-hmm. Then you have wrestling, which is the art of be the guy on top, no matter what, no matter back arching, body twisting, what stay on top. That doesn't have that long of a life. Then you get into Greco and Judo, which have a a longer life. You you can do those, especially if you practice them your whole life, into your best, your early 50s, and then you just can't handle the impact anymore. It's like my head, just doing a a break fall causes me a headache. 
I, I can't handle my brain rattling around in my skull anymore. And the jujitsu, if practiced right, has the longest life where you can still fully enjoy it into your older age, whereas you ain't going back in the boxing ring. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts on that, Sean? Yeah, I've, I've seen Chris talk about this in the past, and I hadn't pre-thought it, but as I just listened to him now, the thing that comes to mind is the difference between boxing and jiu-jitsu is if you're in the game long enough in jiu-jitsu, you can take a white belt and you can play with them and you won't get hurt, generally speaking. But if you step into a boxing ring as a longtime boxer with a new white belt boxer, oh yeah, you can get hurt. Yes. And so, you know, the idea being that it's our responsibility as jujitsu practitioners to understand the person who's standing in front of us and determine what kind of threat they are in the training yeah, session. Yeah and manage them accordingly which you can with enough skills in jujitsu yes. but you can't do that in boxing you can have the sweet science all day long but if you get clipped upside the head with a hard hook or a right cross or whatever the case is i mean uppercut will smash you oh, and, yeah. and it, it could be an accident yeah but there, there's no you can't jump in the time machine 10 seconds and say, I'd like to get rid of that concussion. Thank you. Yeah, and so no. jujitsu allows you, I feel, irrespective of who's in front of you as a newbie, you can control them. And if they're yes. a professional who's in front of you as a jujitsu player, they already know the game. They already know it's a mm -hmm. game of not trying to hurt each other. Let's protect our brain pans. So yeah. I feel that jujitsu is a pretty safe sport in respect of other combat art sports hundred percent hundred percent now of course th there's always the exception there's always the anecdotes there's always the guy who might even be an older browner but black belt who still has to go with that hyper intensive fight energy and then it, it's my role becomes, again, how do I not match that, but relax and not get hurt and still perform on my game? Then you are really doing the jujitsu. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, uh, oh, go ahead, Sean. You got something? Yes. What, what Chris just said uh, popped a thought into my head. I'm curious, Chris, what, at what point on the mats, either in a single role or in a single day, it doesn't matter. What point on the mats do you feel like you're doing your most awesome work? Where do you feel like you're just crushing it? Where you're like, you're, you're hitting it out of the park for you. God, um, you know, it's, it's, there are those things where, where the part of my brain, like when people are new, they're what I call the the flag officer part of the brain that's analyzing strategy and the big the picture. When you're new, that part is caught up into do I put my hand here or there? Um, how do I, it, 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 it's it's not performing its job. And when you separate those, what, what I call the three layers of mind in, in, in all things, where one of them is running almost autonomically 
you're not thinking, do I put my right foot on the brake or my left when the light goes ready? That just happens. A, a bunch of stuff that are automatically happening. Then you've got your um, brain at the, the tactical level, which is almost consciously analyzing, do I go right or left? Or should I go up or over or around or through? And then you leave your flag officer executive brain to literally almost as if it, it is both a safety coach over you in the role. It's, it, it's analyzing the strategy. It's thinking about the next round. It's thinking about what you might want to eat after you're done. And everything else is happening autonomically. And the, those are the moments where I feel like I'm in the most a pocket. And then because that's all happening fun, I could take that executive aspect of the brain and really start tweaking the minor little things that are happening in the game. The, the, the thing will pop up to me that I learned from Hickson last week right there. And I'll adjust my hip ever so slightly. And now it works even better. And it, it, it's those little things where you're like, wow, you're humbled because you're real. You're relearning things that because I think we get stale when we start thinking we know everything, right? Mm -hmm. I I think that's like our our human default. And like one of the other things that happens in every field, but there's always people who become fairly advanced experts in one area. And they suddenly think with just a little knowledge in other areas that they're also experts. It's <laughs> a great point. And social media exposes that all the time, right? Mm -hmm. People are experts on the Iraq war who couldn't even find it on a map. Can't spell it. Yep. People are experts on virology after reading one article that's not peer reviewed that's been posted clearly on a propaganda website. You know, mm -hmm. I, it just and whether you're for or against any of these, I think the key to learning and cooperation and, and as you guys know on a team is you have to be humble and receptive to new knowledge at all times. Yeah. I have a, this is my final question on this particular topic in respect to what you were just saying. I'm curious when you're having your best moment on the mat, we'll call it when you really feel like you're cracking it out of the park, yep. when you feel like you're maximum Chris, do you, are you in flow state and in flow state when you do something a little bit different, maybe uh, whatever it is, doesn't matter, get on your hip in a little bit of a tweaky way. And you think, oh, that's, I see now, I see. Do you interrupt your flow state with a realization and then just jump back into flow state? Or do you stay in flow state, recognize that you had a tweak that you are then going to um, con consider after the role? Does that make sense? I think in some ways, yes, it, it makes sense. In some ways, it's both. It's, um, God, let me see how would I put this. Well, just, just to jump back. So at some point in your grappling, you should 
push your athletics to a point where you can find the platoon stuff because you're going at full speed and at full, full maximum athletics. There's a growth that occurs that will never occur if you never get in that phenomenal shape. The, 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 those little tiny notches above where your game is improving because of your athletics. You're finding that motion and movement because if you weren't in shape, you would never be performing to the place where you would find it. So we also have that, right? And if I'm thinking of your a question right, I think that most, the best learning is done almost when you discover it yourself rather than being taught it, drilling it and trying to cram it into a role. That's what it, works best for me. Yeah. You find it. And yeah. it, it's, and then when you find it, it's yours. Mm, I like that. When you, when you find it, it's yours. I really like yeah. that. <laughs> we but got even, when, even if it was everyone else's beforehand. Right, right. right? Even yeah. if it's everyone else's, now it's yours too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The, uh, this is the one challenge I've noticed with, especially jujitsu. I've been to a bunch of different clubs in the city here and, um, each professor has their little style to it, right? Yes. They have their own where, how their body works, what they like, whether they, yep. you know, if they're leg people, if they're gi people, if they're new, like there's all these little tweaks. And as you learn, depending on your body style, those may not fit right and then you gotta you have to play with it to find that little how to make the, the square peg fit in the round hole right and you, you can you can try and drill and smash it in there and make it work or you can just find where the square hole is you know it's like if the, the one my favorite analogy that i believe i came up with 20 30 years ago is this is like a music let's call the classical martial arts are like classical music. And then we go into jazz. And basically, we're jazz and rock and roll. And we're yes, learning sir. all of the instruments, right? And when we're new at this, we're cover bands. We're just learning songs of our favorite bands, learning moves of our favorite well, grapplers, and eventually we're starting to make our own uh, music. We're, we're, we're it's mashups. It, it's I have a mashup of this song and that one, and I love slowing the tempo down and playing it this way. And when I'm hitting the drums, I'm adding a little beat over here, and it's, so we're all kind of either playing our own jazz, which is just mashups of everyone else. Or we become the perfect cover band where your goal is to cover the band that you love the most and do every song better than the original did it. And either of those are apropos, right? Because in the end, this is just an art where the stakes couldn't be so low. We're not talking about life or limb. We're not talking about nuclear armageddon we're talking about people competing with each other play fighting the stakes couldn't be so low yeah 
That's a great point. I, I'd like to ask you a question based on your music analogy. Yes. Do you prefer to be the jazz player on the mats or do you prefer to be the composer or the conductor who is uh, creating the overall arching theme, if you will? I like to be the conductor now, but when, when I was younger, I, 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 I want to play. I'm a drummer and I want to be in that band drummers are almost playing the entire time even if everyone else has a break you're holding the beat um i'm i like to play i i for years um i like when i first taught i taught only because i taught those guys only because i needed someone to roll with and um I never really wanted to become a jujitsu instructor. It's kind of the way my life worked through various circumstances. The smoke cleared. I had three skills, construction, security operations, jujitsu. And I kind of did all three of those until jujitsu became a sole thing. But I did not set out to become a martial arts school owner or jujitsu instructor. I just loved the art. It, be, it would be like if I was a musician. I, I didn't start out saying one day I want to teach people how to play drums. No, I want to be in a band. I, I, I want to play this game. And, you know, I was that typical purple belt who had come in late, skip the warm-ups, not want to learn the moves. I'm just here to roll. I'm here to roll, right? And and it, we, You're we, all go, yeah, <laughs> we all go through that phase where I'm here to play the game, not to practice my serve 800 times. Let's play the game. And I found in this, there's always people, and I appreciate them more and more, who are really into theory as opposed to application. They theorize on the application and sometimes we'll even have a whole class without even sparring at the end. That used to blow my mind. Like, how could someone do that? What is the point? And of course, now as I've aged and am exploring with the art, now I love those guys who will show me exactly the way this guy showed him the move and actually the way this guy did. Here's it. Because now I just like, and I don't try to retain things anymore. It, it's, then one of the other things I say is up to brown belt, you are mostly acquiring stuff. You're learning stuff and acquiring it. And then the brown belt maturity phase to your the black belt is a lot of getting rid of shit that you don't need and bad habits. Mm. It's finding these bad habits and getting rid of them. And becoming this in a Zen sense where you're not attaching to stuff and clinging, which is the whole art of jujitsu. You don't want to be clinging. You, you, you want to master the art of letting go and, and letting what comes come. And then that becomes like the, the pinnacle of that philosophically is Aikido. The worst application of any art, but the best philosophy of all the arts yeah agreed yeah so what i'm trying to do is be a grappler to who who does this 
thing with the spirit of Aikido. That makes sense. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. I love that. Yeah. I uh, I really struggled initially when I first got into BJJ. I was a combat engineer, so everything about everything I learned was about standoff. Like blow it in place. Blow it. Yeah, just we'll put it over there. We're gonna blow it up. We're gonna go over there. Um, yeah. And so when my instructor kept telling me, "Get closer, get closer. You got to get your grips. You got to focus on and like trying to get into the mindset of actually putting something." directly on my it was it was a very challenging uh yeah. hurdle to get across and now i'm i'm doing the opposite now now that i can get close and really get on people now i'm working on letting things slip away and being like oh okay well let's see what happens when this happens oh let's see what happens when that happens and just yes allowing things to pass do you think that that is do you think do you think anybody could get that initially or do you like do you I think I, that it is yeah. a uh, requirement of just getting kind of owned after a little while? I mean, I think we all have individual predispositions and prior sport or, or childhood play experiences that can make that come easier or make it come harder. Mm. And one drill that's really good with white belts is the two drills. One is the, the, um, uh, you uh, play catch each person gets to make one major movement mm -hmm. then the other guy and then you basically freeze until the other guy makes a major movement and then that's how you pick up the the patterns of this game like oh every time i lean over here you definitely go that way and you're picking up that stuff and then you play kind of a, a catch and release thing where you let the other guy go two or three major movements. Like you're in the guard. I get to unlock, put a foot on the hip, grab a sleeve and collar. Then you go. You, you build a base, drift to combat the base, maybe stand up. Then the other guy goes, you're in the standing, gets you in the sweep and rises up on the top. And it's a way of... Again, if, if you're chasing the art, not the win, you can get all kinds of growth out of that. And then when you start speeding that up, you, you discover how to flow roll. That's like, yeah, I like that. I, I got a question for you, just to take it in a yeah. bit of a different direction real quick. Chris, today versus 20 years ago, do you find that you nowadays learn more on the mats or do you find that you learn more sweaty leaning up against the wall? Which one do you learn more from nowadays versus 20 years ago? I would say right now, just for this phase of the last six months, it's about even in that. Like I do a private a month for the last year with Hickson. And me and a couple other guys will, will often go over before and after all these things we learned without even rolling, just analyzing all this stuff. And I let it sit and I sift through and I find it in a roll and then I learn it and I keep it. So it really is now a blend of both theory and application occurring. And when I say application, I don't mean uh, drilling 
it, I mean going at it and seeing it, 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 if I can make it work against live black belt resistance. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the test, right? If only we could learn this skill as a youth. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, I wish. To be able yeah. to go, go back when you're 20 uh, and go, okay, just like slower. We all down. say that. And in, in some distant f- future that we will probably not live long enough to do, there will be some way to rejuvenate our physical bodies to a yeah. point where we could then after 80 years of experience and life start over again in your 20s i hope so that's the only way i'm going to get a black belt (laughs) (laughs) it's going to get in there um so we got uh we got a comment here from a while back but i think it is pertinent and it's from uh, winterstorm says skill is temporary and perishable perseverance and consistency is for the future Great comment. Great comment, Winterstorm. I love it. I think it applies across the board to everything we're talking about. We're uh, just about at time here. So I figured I'd want... I do have one more question. Super quick. Okay. For Chris. Super quick question. Chris, what was your... What do you feel was your greatest uh, path to success? Or what do you think was the one thing about you that allowed you to get further than perhaps your peers? Hmm, the one thing about you, I would say that, you know, I think it's a combination of both perseverance and luck, those seemingly polar opposite the things, right? I think a lot of what in life that we all attribute to our own intellect and willpower really is sheer luck. And a lot of the things that we say Oh, I got to just leave that up, but to chance, really, you have a control over. And wisdom comes from kind of knowing which one's which, when, and where. Nice. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, any any final thoughts on anything we've gone over so far today? Not about who's good, it's who's left, or... Um... <clears throat> no, no final anything. thoughts. I'm just walking around, so if anyone's watching this, they get to look at my art. It's uh oh beauty. It's like an episode of MTV Cribs. I love there that. you go. <laughs> From back in the day. <laughs> I, I want to fly down yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. This is fantastic. Oh man. This I is one it. of my favorite ones. I did this in 2011. It's called Ground War Erupts. Mm-hmm. Beauty. Is, I love is, the contrast. And and by that's one of your favorites. Why do you why do you categorize it as such? Is it because of what it represents to you or the effort that you put into it or how it catches represents, your eye? Or what is it? It re- represents me holding my son and watching the news and wondering what his life will be like in comparison and a contrast with my youth and growing up. I love that. Yeah, that's so awesome. Yeah. Um, Sean, any final thoughts? Anything? Well, the reason I love it is because I started my sons uh, in BJJ when they're about 12 years old. And my main rolling partner right now is actually my son. Uh, he's a purple belt. And and being able to connect with your kids through martial arts is is amazing. So that mm-hmm. that painting really does capture that spirit for me. 
I love yeah, it. Yeah, it sure does. <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward. I got to keep my uh, keep my game tight because my boys are coming up. And as oh, they get older, yeah, they're yeah. going to be getting way better and they're going to be crushing me eventually. Yeah, you know what they're going to be doing? They're going to be doing ABC chance burls. Always be choking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping. My son is nine. He's, he's aggressive, all boy, stubborn as I was. And I haven't even asked him yet if he wants what, what, what to learn. Him and I play and, and stuff because I want him to want it, right? Yeah. And um, I'm, it's, it's coming soon. And I'm excited. Could be good time. Well, I'm excited for you because nobody chokes me more than my own son. So good. Yeah, <laughs> that's the way. Um, so we're just over time right now. Vanessa yep. says extraordinary artwork, outstanding. Um, yeah, I just I can't thank you enough, Chris. It's been awesome being able to sit down and talk with you. I think from you guys, it's always wonderful if a person wants to hear me talk because my wife and kids usually don't. Welcome to my world as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that's why we talk to people on the internet so that everyone else can't doesn't have to hear us anymore. Um, there you go. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Again, uh, yep. don't go anywhere though. Before I'm gonna, we'll be shutting down here a second, then we can chat okay. a little bit in the green room. But uh, it's been fantastic. I think there has been, well, I know there has been some absolutely awesome truth bombs dropped today and that can be applied to life business but especially jujitsu and if you're not on the mats you should be so that you can learn grow and build as a human being so we'll talk to y'all later see you tomorrow chimo chimo chimo